those who are outside of the Christian faith look at Christians and they say, well, these are the folks who don't know how to have fun. They do. They said, these are the people who are down and negative and they just don't know how to be happy. They said, these are the people who never enjoy life. Well, I got news for them. The opposite is true. The opposite is true. Only true Christians know how to have true enjoyment of life. Only true Christians can have true permanent happiness in life. Only true Christians can have a lasting peace of mind. Only true Christians can have an exciting and purposeful life. Only true Christians have the contentment and the confidence about their identity and their eternal future. In fact, that's what King Solomon of old has discovered. After conducting this controlled experiment, searching for happiness, searching for joy, and he got away from God in his midlife crisis and looking for it in all the wrong places, and then he concluded only those who are in fellowship with God can truly have a fulfilled life. As Solomon tried everything imaginable and some things probably unimaginable. Why? He would say that he was looking for happiness, that he was looking for joy, that he was looking for something to satisfy him, but he couldn't find it in things. That was his conclusion. And so in chapter 2, verse 25, you find his conclusion. He said, only God can give you true enjoyment of life. Only God can give you contentment and joy, regardless of your circumstances. He said, I have tried all these other things that people think are going to bring them happiness. I've tried all these things that people thought are going to bring them joy and enjoyment, and they brought me nothing but emptiness. They brought me nothing but monotony. They brought me nothing but meaninglessness in In fact, they brought me despair of life itself. And so, the Apostle Paul, a thousand years later, echoes the same thing in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. He said, For the children of the living God, God has given us all things. How many? All things for our enjoyment. God wants His children to be enjoying life, because without Him, life is meaningless, but with Him, life is full of meaning. True enjoyment can only come from God. That's Solomon's conclusion at this chapter 2. Listen carefully. Solomon experimented with kids today we call fun-loving. I mean, he was loving fun, and he was looking for it. And the sad thing is that so many generations repeat Solomon's mistake. Many young people, when the, even some in the grow up in a church, and when they go to college, they buy into that lie that says that you can experience real fun without God, that you can experience real happiness without God, that you can have enjoyment in life, that you can have freedom from mom and dad. And they repeat Solomon's mistake all over again, albeit on a limited budget. <laughs> And most of them, thank God, they come back and they discover that all of the so-called fun left them empty, that all the so-called fun was futile, that is so-called fun left them depressed and despondent even of life itself, and sadly even makes some of them to be suicidal. And now I want you to look at Solomon's experiment of searching 
for fun and happiness in life away from God. Instead of happiness, he found despair. Can you imagine the man who had everything that no one before him and no one since have ever had as much as this man had and all the things that that he mentioned here in the Bible, and yet he said, I hated life. Can you imagine that? Literally, after all of his accomplishment, he says, is that all there is? Is that all there is? After all that accomplished and after all that he pursued with vigor and with enthusiasm, is that all there is? So please turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, last message, where we began a series from the book of Ecclesiastes entitled, What Is It Like Down Under? And we have learned that under the sun is a reference to a life without God. We've learned that life under the sun is a life without God. And Solomon said, when I experienced it, I found it to be empty, to be futile, to be monotonous, and to be meaningless. And that is why only a life that is lived over the sun, above the sun, where God is, only a life that is lived in fellowship with God, only a life that is lived in the promises of God, only a life that trusts in the Word of God, only a life that lives under the authority of the Word of God that can be truly a joyful life. Let's look at what he did. In verses 1 to 3, he tried what we would call fun. (laughs) In verses 4 to 9, he tried big projects. When that didn't work out, verses 10 to 12, he tried, I've got to have it, attitude. (laughs) In verses 13 to 16, he tried to distinguish himself, to make a name for himself, to be different from everybody else around him. Ah, but by… you get to verses 17 to 23 of chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, you find him disgusted with life itself. And then he concludes, verses 24 and 25, he comes to the conclusion that without God, life is not even worth living. Look at verse 1 with me. Here's what he said. He said, I was talking to myself. Self-talk is part of who we are. We all talk to ourselves. It's like the guy. He said, why do you talk to yourself all the time? He said, I just like to talk to a wise person. (laughs) (laughs) But listen to me. Be very careful about your self-talk. Be very careful what you say to yourself when you're alone, because if your self-talk is not focused on the Word of God, if it is not focused on the promises of God in the Word of God, then you're going to find your self-talk will give way to despair and to despondency. If you're not careful that your self-talk is focused on the Word of God and the promises of God, you're going to find yourself going further into self-centeredness and into self-pity. If you're not careful, you're going to find that your thoughts will soon give way to thoughts of self-worship and even indulgence. I remember back in 1989, I'll never forget it, a man came to me and he said, are you the first person I'm talking to you, but I've been talking a lot to myself. And I said, "Uh uh-oh. He said, I've been thinking that all these years I've been giving of myself, all these years I have been sacrificing for others, all of these years I've been doing much for my family. And he said, I have been doing so much for others, now I'm convinced that it is time for me to make a change. I said, "Uh uh-oh. I knew what's coming. 
He said, I made a decision after talking to myself for so long that I need to focus on myself. I need to take care of myself, that I need to enjoy myself. I told him, listen, this kind of self-talk is not only of the devil, but nothing good can come out of it. Sure enough, a year later, he made a mess of things. Listen to me. Solomon said, I wanted to have fun. (laughs) He said, I wanted to have fun and make having fun to be my total focus, that I wanted having fun to be my goal in life. I wanted pleasure to be the only reason what I I live for. So he hired all the professional comedians. He hired all the singers. He got Jerusalem Symphony Orchestra playing every night in his garden. I mean, he did everything because he could afford it. (laughs) He said, I wanted to laugh so much that I made laughter to be my aim in life. (laughs) Only to discover that when laughter ended, it left me with a bad taste in my mouth. It's a rough translation, but you get the meaning. (laughs) Later on, he calls it like crackling, dying fire. Listen to me. There is nothing wrong with laughter. Did you get that? Say amen. amen. I don't want you guys to Michael say you shouldn't laugh. You know that I love laughing as much as anybody, and I have my own quirky sense of humor, and I, I even laugh at my own jokes when you don't. <laughs> I love laughter as much as anybody. But when you pursue laughter as your goal, as your aim in life, Solomon said, when laughter is finished, you're going to get depressed. <laughs> When laughter did not work out for him, what did he do? He said, well, I'll try something else. I tried all sorts of things that can bring me pleasure. So he, he went on to binge drinking. I mean, he thought that really going to help him. So he pursued drunkenness, thinking that it may numb his feelings, and that will bring him happiness. And the only thing that it brought him was a headache and a hangover. <laughs> it didn't work either, he said. If you live for pleasure alone, enjoyment will decrease unless the intensity of the pleasure increases. But then you reach a point of diminished return when there is nothing left but enslavement and bondage. But here's the truth. There is no greater enjoyment in life. There is no more lasting fulfillment in life. There is no greater joy in life than seeing others being blessed through you. So when pleasures did not work out, did not satisfy him, what did he do? He thought, well, you know, I need to have some big projects that i got to be involved in. (laughs) I've got to have some big accomplishment in life. So he decided to embark on big projects. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with big projects. Did you get that? There's nothing wrong with accomplishments. There's nothing wrong with embarking on big projects. Nothing wrong with that. The question is, why are you doing it for? It was said of Nero that he said that I came and I saw Rome a city of bricks, and I left it as a city of marbles. But why? For self-aggrandizement. wasn't for the Romans and the benefits of the citizen. This was for his self-aggrandizement. But these self-centered projects and accomplishments, Solomon said, they too turned out empty and compounded my emptiness in my life. 
Let me just share with you of one day menu food in Solomon's household. Okay, this one day. 300 bushels of fine flowers. 600 bushels of grain of all kinds. 10 oxen. 20 cattle. Grade A, mind you. 100 sheep. (laughs) And this is not counting the gazelles, the hearts, the fatted chicken, the ducks, and all kinds of exotic birds. Just in one day. Say, Michael, where did you get that? It's in the Bible, by the way, 1 Kings chapter 4, just in case you think I'm making it up. In fact, somebody calculated that he probably was feeding something between ten to 20,000 people. That's his entourage. That's people, his minions running around in his palace. Let me show you how serious Solomon was in his pursuit of happiness and pursuit of enjoyment in life. Do you know that his father David left him a fortune? David left Solomon for the building of the temple. It's something between one and two billion dollars of our money today. One or two billion dollars. He said, son, God told me not to build a temple because he said too much blood in your hand, but I'm going to have your son build a temple, and here's the money. And David said, who are we to be able to give that to the Lord? And as everything comes from your hand, O Lord, everything goes back to your hand. And Solomon obeyed his father. And here's what he did. Listen carefully. Do you know how long it took for him to build that temple? Seven years. Do you know how long it took him to build his house? Fourteen years. Twice as much, twice as big, twice as time, twice as much money. Well, I just thought, you know, with 700 wives and 300 concubines, bless his heart, he probably needed the space. (laughs) But after this pleasure-seeking mania, after this pleasure-seeking binge that he was about, after these great building projects, he looked at them and he says, is it all there is? Is it all there is in life? Is it all there is? That's the question that every man, woman, boy, and girl who live under the sun is asking the question, is that all there is? For those who are living above the sun where God is, for those who are living in fellowship with God, they can work hard, they can accomplish great things, they can experience success, but not for self-aggrandizement, not for self-consumption. Why? Because they understand the words of Jesus that when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He will give you all that you need. For those who live above the sun, they live above the sun. How? By pleasing God above all. By pleasing God with their time and with their money and with their social calendar and with their thought patterns and with their decision-making and with their financial planning and with their future planning. Then they will truly experience true happiness and true enjoyment of life. True happiness that others could pay billions of dollars or even all of their fortune to try to get, and they'll never get. They'll never get it. Hear me right on this one. I've got to have it attitude never brings true happiness or enjoyment in life. But I've got to give it attitude. It will give you all the happiness that billions of dollars could never buy you. 
And Solomon concluded, now that I have done it all, now that I've experienced it all, now that I've accomplished it all, I now must face death. And he gets depressed. He said, I'm going to die just like any other foolish person. All we're going to occupy is six feet of real estate. <laughs> Death is a great equalizer. And, and funny, years ago I heard this story about an American businessman who sold his company for mega millions and uh, went down to one of those Caribbean islands. And, and he decided that now I worked hard, I accumulated all this money, I'm going to just enjoy life. I'm going to lie in the sun and just have a ball. While he was there, he noticed there was an islander, a local native guy. He watched him. Every morning he gets up, takes his boat to the water, catches some fish, brings the fish, sells them in the market, and for the rest of the day he just sits back and enjoys himself. So finally he decided to talk to him. He said, young man, he said, um, he said why don't you work harder and expand your business? And the native kid said, Why? He said, well, so that you can have many more fishing boats and have more people working for you. The boy said, why? He said, well, so that you can make more money and be rich like me. The young man said, why? He said, so that you can sit back and enjoy life like me. He said, that's exactly what I'm doing. (laughs) King Solomon goes from being depressed at the emptiness of life, that all of these things that he have pursued and that all these things that he went after, and he said, they brought me nothing but made me despair of life itself. Imagine, probably the richest man that's ever lived and ever will live. Why? Well, he began to think of death and leaving it all behind. All the things he worked for, all the things that he sweated for, all the things that he spent sleepless nights doing. He began to wonder, what is the next generation going to do with this? Are they going to value it or not? Are they going to preserve it or waste it? Are they going to conserve it or destroy it? Whether they will even appreciate it or not. And that got him depressed. Sure enough, this is almost prophetic. Because his son, who inherited all of this, literally, single-handedly destroyed the kingdom of Israel, never to be the same again, and split in half, and from that time on, went in a downward spiral. Someone said money is an article which may be used as a universal passport to take you everywhere except heaven. Yet Jesus said, there is a way for all of us to take it with us. That's the words of Jesus. He said, there is a way that you can take it with you. You can take your wealth with you. You can protect your wealth right now. He said, there where you send it on, there where nobody can steal it. There is no inflation that will eat it up. There will be no losses that can touch it. And that is why Solomon comes at the end and says, Apart from God, life can never be enjoyed. Life without God is a continuous frustration with maybe intermittent periods of temporary happiness. 
Beloved, listen to what I'm going to tell you, because this is the truth from the Word of God. God wants His children, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, those who know that if they close their eyes in death today, they will be in heaven in the presence of Jesus the moment they leave this world, that God wants His children to succeed in life. God wants His children to be diligent in their work. God wants His children to be wise stewards. God wants His children to be joyful and contented. And all of that can happen when you place Him first and foremost in your life, in every area of life. All that can happen when you live not under the sun, but where? Above the sun. There may be someone here today who is living under the sun, think that this life is all there is, trying fulfillment and trying satisfaction, material things, and accumulation of more and more and more things. Please let me urge you, before you starve to death, come to Christ. Come to Christ today. I plead with you. I appeal to you. Come to Christ where you can find true fulfillment, true joy, true enjoyment in life, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what you go through, regardless of the ups and downs, regardless of the valleys and the mountaintops. Fanny Cosby wrote many hymns. She was blind almost from birth, yet she lived almost to be 90 years old. And we know many of her hymns, but there is something that she wrote when she was at the age of eight that I want to share it with you. Here's what she wrote at the age of eight. Oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I'll be. How many blessings I enjoy the other people do not. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and will not. That is a life that is lived where? Above the sun, regardless of her circumstances. She lived a fulfilled life, a joyful life, because she lived not under the sun. And if we have a warning from Solomon, said, please do not live under the sun, because all the promises that living under the sun makes you are lies. Father, we thank you that you are a great God and that you continue to invite us to come and live above the sun. And, Father, we know experientially that life under the sun is not what is cracked out to be. And yet, Father, we buy into this lie, and we try to pursue happiness and fun, and we realize that it will leave us empty and in despair of life itself. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that not one soul is living under the sun. Walk out of here continuously living under the sun. May this day be a day in which many would come and live above the sun, receive the forgiveness of sin, repent of their sins, walk by faith, trust in you, knowing that you never leave nor forsake your children. And Father, it is by faith that I pray that this day in heaven, names will be written in the book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. 
If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.